things that I really like in life. Um, I've mentioned those before to you. Some of those things are like fishing and hunting. Some of those things um, are like being a dad and being a, a husband. I like to introduce myself when someone asks me what I do, uh, mostly because it's, uh, it gets into, um, if I just first say I'm a pastor, um, then those conversations may go in a direction that, uh, that closes someone off. And so when someone asks me what I do, I usually say that I have multiple jobs. My, pri- my priority is, is being a husband, and then second is being a dad at the moment, and so I'm so thankful for that. And then after that um, falls, falls the other things that I get to be a part of, whether it's chaplaining at the, at the fire station or at the hospital or the sheriff's office, or if it's counseling or if it's pastoring or if it's coaching Little League Baseball, Whatever the case may be, um, those are just the things that kind of become secondary or third airy or fourth airy, whatever, however you say that. You guys are much smarter than I am, so figure that out and then let me know. So, so we have to look at what, what is priority. And so this morning, the text uh, points towards women and men who are followers of Jesus but are living as exiles even in their own marriages. So particularly as we begin chapter 3, we're talking about a woman who's married, who is a follower of Jesus, but her husband is not. And then it gives uh, Peter gives a kind of a, a direction towards that there are husbands that are doing the same thing. There are followers of Jesus who have committed their life, who have confessed Christ as Lord, but their spouses are not. And so what do we do? What do we do in that situation? Particularly with... When God has put together marriage to mirror Him, to mirror His love, to mirror uh, worship of Him, to mirror identity, to mirror these things, if a marriage is set up as a human relationship to and designed by God to mirror the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, the reconciliation of Christ, uh, the sacrifice of Christ, the servanthood of Christ, if marriage is designed for that, to mirror those things, then what do you do if you're in a marriage that is broken, particularly that has a spouse that is not a believer? How can your marriage mirror Christ if someone is not is not saved? Well, the answer to that, Peter says, is submission, which sounds really strange, because if we're to submit Wives, if you're to submit to your ungodly husband, how will that bring honor and worship and glorification to Christ and Christ alone? And likewise, husbands, if you're to show honor, particularly to a wife that's not a believer, how will that, how will that bring glory to Christ? If you're married to an ungodly, unsaved uh, person, how will that bring glory to the Father? So we have to look at this in the context of what Peter has been saying and will continue to say. Particularly, get your minds wrapped around these exiles, these sojourners, uh, these, uh, these travelers or pilgrims living in a foreign land, controlled by foreigners who are not members of the kingdom of God. These, these people, these emperors who are putting into place laws and practices that are unbiblical, that are not glorifying to Christ, yet moments ago in, in chapter 2, Peter tells us to live in submission to these earthly emperors. Slaves, live in submission to your earthly master. Well, they're ungodly. Why should I do that? Because remember, you are not of this world, and your life is to model that. You have submitted your life and given your life to the lordship of Jesus. And so because of that, you don't belong to this world anymore. 
So because you are free in Christ, like we spoke about last week, because what Christ has done for us, because you're free in Christ, you have a living hope. Your hope is not in your ungodly spouse or your ungodly emperor or your unsaved spouse or your unsaved emperor or king or, or, or master, but instead you have a living hope in the resurrected Savior, Jesus. And so because of that, because we have freedom in that, we can, we can still in our earthly relationships model the grace and the forgiveness that Christ has given to us. So again, marriage is the human relationship that God has designed to mirror the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, all those things of Christ for the church, uh, for, for the world, for one another. And so because of that, we put into practice those things. I want to read to us from chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 1 and going through verse 8. Likewise, that's important that that's there. Peter's not just starting some new thought, but instead he's continuing a thought. Likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be hidden, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. I think you should highlight or circle that word precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, again, Peter's not starting a new topic here, but he's continuing a topic. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. There are several things that I want to point out, and I want to begin by continuing what we talked about last week about being these sojourning submitters, these people who are not of this land, but still we're showing submission to, to other people. I want to talk about how some things that submission does not mean. Submission doesn't mean that we're settling. All right? I know that some of us feel like that. Well, I'm just going to have to settle. Like I'm just going to have to settle to who I'm married to or I'm going to settle to who the king is or I'm going to have to settle to who, uh, who my master is. It's not a settling. Submission is not a settling. But instead, it's an understanding of who you truly belong to. Who is it that you truly belong to? And what is it that your ultimate goal is or your ultimate mission is? Submission does not mean just a complete agreeing, that we're going to agree to everything that the other person says. Obviously, within the context of this, of this that Peter is talking about, this woman that he's talking about, this wife that he's writing to, is living with or married to a uh, married to an unbeliever, an ungodly person, someone who is not believing in the word. If some do not obey the word, Peter talks about. Some of these who are not obeying the word or not submitted their life to to Christ. And so there, in a sense, there's some rebellion going on there because the wife has decided to be a follower of Jesus. She has used her brain and her heart and her soul and made a decision to submit to the Lordship of Christ. So submission does not mean just an agreeing to everything that the other says. It doesn't mean that you'll have to cheer for the same team or eat the same food. You have a brain the Lord has given to you. So we're not going to become a puppet. Submission doesn't mean that we become a puppet. You're not the scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz. 
just to be put on a post so that you scare off other women for the husband that you have now. Like, you know, like the Lord has just said, hey, I want you to submit to this ungodly husband. We're going to make you the scarecrow who's just going to be put on a post so that when other women come around, you scare them off. No, that's not, that's not the point at all. We're not to submit ourselves even to a lessening in ourselves. That's why I said it's important to see that God has seen you as precious in his in his eyes. The husband, this is where it gets really deep, I think. The husband does not belong to the same God that this wife belongs to. This husband, who is an unbeliever, who is not believing the words of the Lord, or trusting in the word, uh, John reminds us that Christ is the word, this man belongs to another little g God. Someone else is in rule over him. Missionary friends that I've worked with before remind us that though we may have lots in common with the folks that we're, uh, we are going to present the gospel to or share the gospel or proclaim the gospel to, uh, particularly in a foreign country, we may have a lot in common. We may cheer for the same soccer team. We may eat the same food or desire the same food. We may love to fish or have the same hobbies, but we do not have the same spirit living inside of us. We do not worship the same, we don't worship the same God. So we have to, we have to remind ourselves of that. Even in a marriage relationship, that one of you may not be a believer. The one who is, particularly here this, in this context, we're talking about the wife, the wife must remember that her ultimate submission is to Christ. She has submitted her life to him. She belongs to him ultimately. And in that ultimateness of belonging to Christ, she can, in faithfulness to Christ, live faithfully to her husband, live in, in a pure and gentle and a respectful way, even within that ungodly, with, with that ungodly husband. Think about it in this context, again, like, like our missionaries. Uh, when, um, when we went to, or when I've been to, or maybe you've been to a foreign country, and you enter into that country, and you go through customs, and they give you a visa to enter into that, to that country, uh, you are agreeing to submit your life to that country's laws. Saying if you break those laws, they can remove you from that country. I remember one time uh, going to the country just north of us, not Colorado, but Canada, I remember going, uh, and we uh, we had been there many times before, but going and, and having to wait almost two hours at the customs office. We were the only ones there. There was no one else. I think the guys were just bored. But when they finally came out, they all gave they gave us visas. They printed them out, which was the first. And the guy uh, set down, set us all down, and, re- and reminded us. He gave us this ten minute spiel about the things that we could and couldn't do, how long we could stay, what we could be a part of. Make sure you don't make any money. Follow our rules. I know that you're Americans. I know that you're from the United States, but still, let me remind you you must submit to our laws well ultimately do I submit to the laws of Canada no I don't belong there but for a moment but for a moment I'm going to show respect for a moment I'm going to show I'm going to show purity and genuineness of heart and I'm going to say I will submit to your earthly laws for a time because of the mission that I'm on I'm not just here to enjoy Lake Christina. Though it is beautiful, I'm here because I represent, as a sojourner of Christ, I represent Christ. And even in this customs office, if, I'm, if I may show gentleness and respect with the hopes that Christ might be worshipped and glorified, then I want to submit to these earthly laws. So you, wife, if you're here this morning, or you know of someone that you want to give wise counsel to in regards to this 
uh, holy words from God. We think about this. How can I submit to an ungodly person the same way that a missionary does in a foreign country? You are living as exiles, as foreigners. You do not belong here. And so in that, you put into, you put into practice the things that are ultimate. You put into practice. Wives, I would say, even in the context of living with a godly husband who may sometimes act ungodly, I would say, put into practice these things as well. That by your conduct, they may be saved or they may be convicted or they may be reminded of God's grace. That in your genuineness and your purity, that you may point others, you might point others to Christ. Remind yourselves. You don't have the same spirit living inside of you if it is an ungodly person, unsaved person. The spirit that is inside of you is ultimate. And the hope is that the person that you're trying to influence may also one day submit to the lordship of Jesus. In this case, again, this wife that Peter may be talking to or writing to is an exile in her own marriage. I'm going to say it again more directly. Husbands, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have committed your life to Christ, and you've submitted your life and lordship to Jesus, I hope that your marriage isn't talked about in this particular section, that we might be modeling an ungodly husband. And so our wives are having to submit to us and live in like exile because they don't have the example of a godly husband. Still, we are to be constantly influencing others with the gospel. That's what's being said here. We are to never take a break. Never take a break. We don't just look for a day. Uh, traditionally, it was Saturday morning. Let's, uh, let's go beat the pavement on Saturday morning to go share the gospel. No, Peter is talking about a realistic view of the gospel, a realistic view of living for Jesus, being owned by Jesus, that every moment of our life, as followers of Jesus, we are following Jesus and influencing others with the gospel. Submission is about status, but not in the way that you think. I know that when we say that you should, wives, that you should submit to your husband, you're thinking it's a lowering of yourself. And indeed it is. It's a putting someone else above you. But in your understanding of who you are in Christ, where your status is in Christ, you can do that. Think about Christ. Again, we talked about this last week. But how could he lower himself? How could he submit? How could he take on the form of a servant or a slave? Only if he had a right view of who he is in the Father's eyes. So it, submission is about status, but not, but not worldly status. Not in a, uh, I'm better than you, or I have more authority than you, or I own you. It's not about status in that sense. But instead, submission in this regards, as Peter is talking, is about status in the kingdom of God. Reminding yourself, just verses before, that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, chosen and precious in the sight of God. Your status is saved. Your status is whole. Your status is complete. Your status is holy. Your status is justified. Your status is righteous. Your status is adopted. Your status is that you belong to Christ, purchased by Him. And so when we understand our status in that regards, we can willfully submit to the emperor, or to any other, any other earthly authorities. We can willfully submit to our earthly slave, our masters, if we are a slave. And we can, even in an ungodly marriage, submit to our husband because we understand our status in the kingdom of God. 
I told you to remind yourself of, of uh, verse 4. But let your adorning be, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is, which in God's sight is very precious. The, the wording there that Peter is trying to remind us of is the same wording that we used in his identification of us as a people, that we are precious to the Lord, that he wants to remind us that, that when we look into our heart and the motives of our heart, and we remind ourselves where our status is in Christ, we are precious in the sight of God. So in the difficult relationship, wives, I'm not in this. I don't even want to try and pretend that I understand what you're in. But if you are living in an ungodly marriage, that your husband is not a believer, I don't want to for any moment try and say to you, like, I understand what you're going through. I do not. But I know that Christ does. And I can trust in his promises. I know that he understands that. That he didn't die just for men. He didn't come and take the place of just men, but of all creation, men and women. And when it says that he understands the sorrows that we go through, or the suffering that we go through, we can trust that he truly does even know the sorrow and the suffering that a wife who belongs to the Lord goes through living in a home of a husband who does not belong to the Lord. The Old Testament gives us many pictures of this. Israel was this example. Uh, we just saying that we are uh, the, the, the example of, of Revelation chapter 19 and, and chapter 21, that we are the bride of Christ, that we belong to him, that he's our husband. Thanks be to God, he is a godly husband because he is God. And he has given us the best example of that. And we submit our lives to him. And so you also, wives, must remind yourselves of this. Ultimately, your husband is Christ. You've submitted your life to him. And so what does that look like for you, even in the midst of suffering? Think back to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20, where Jesus lowers himself again to the form of a domestic slave, of a servant. And he washes the disciples' feet. He washes Peter's feet, who here writes to these wives. Yes, his humbling to that status, to wash feet, wasn't the same as lowering himself to the, to the death on a cross. But still, it was a moment where Christ, God, the Creator, lowered himself to the form of a slave and washed Peter's feet, knowing Peter would deny, knowing the disciples may walk away, knowing their hearts that he created, knowing their sin that that was ruling in them, yet Peter, or yet Jesus still washed their feet. Why? Because he understood his status. He understood where he belongs in God. He understood him being precious in the sight of the Father. Because he understood his status with the Father, he could submit to the status of an earthly slave. Submission is not a taking away of all privileges. Like we think that if I'm going to submit to someone, whether it be a wife submitting to a husband or even men submitting to the authorities of this world or to your earthly boss, we think it's a taking away of all privileges. Again, when you understand your status in Christ, then you also begin to understand your privileges in Christ, what he's adopted you to, the rewards that we have awaiting us. I'm going to take a drink.
And then I'm going to think in my mind how awkward that was, that silence and you all watching me drink. <laughs> Submission is not just a taking away of, of privileges. When you understand, when you understand your privileges in Christ, mainly, ultimately, freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. Uh, <clears throat> I think about in, in terms of, of, chi- of being a child, because we have some, several, and uh, at our house right now. And I, I'm, oftentimes I'm one of those, okay? Um, but um, anyways, I think about submission. Hey, you're going to submit to the lordship of your dad or your mom, and this, you're just taking away all our privileges. It does seem, it does seem like that. It does seem like that. If you allow your human heart to determine what your privileges are. If we allow our human heart to determine what our privileges are, then yeah, it will seem as if the things that are being taken away from you, the things that are being taken away from you are privileges that you desire. But when we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ and to His Word, and we say we know where our status is in Christ, and we have an understanding of the privileges we have in Christ, take away everything from this world. I only want Jesus. Take, take away it all. Take away it all. Let, let my only privileges be whatever Christ gives to me. And if he truly is a giver of good gifts and a great father, then I'm going to trust in the privileges that he has promised, he has promised to me. Mainly within the context of this letter, the privileges of being adopted into the kingdom. The privileges of being ransomed, being rescued from darkness and brought into to light. The, being, the, the privilege of just being owned by Jesus and given a name, given a call, given a mission, a purpose in life. Those are great privileges that could define your life every day if you were to submit to Christ and then submit either to the emperor, to your earthly boss, or in this case, in this little section here, wives submitting to two husbands. Submission does not necessarily mean, mean worship, but it could lead to that could definitely lead to that. I know plenty of husbands, including myself, who want my, who wants my wife to submit to me. But what I really mean is this. Mandy, will you worship me? Will you worship me above everything else? And I know that's sinful. But I have a longing to be needed. I have a longing to be adored. I have a longing to be worshipped. It is a true heart and sin problem. It is why Christ said to deny self, to let him transform my heart, so that I see as a husband, you know what? I don't need to be worshipped. Christ needs to be worshipped. And so how can I lead my family and my spouse in worship of Christ? So submission, I know we think of it that way. We think, hey, it just means that, hey, you'll worship everything that I say, you'll do. You'll submit to it. You'll let, me, you'll let me make all the decisions. You won't have a brain, and you'll worship me and me alone. But no, it could. It could lead to earthly worship of an earthly person if we don't understand, again, our status, if we don't understand our place and our identity in Christ. The soul, like I just mentioned, is ultimately satisfied through worship. When we worship Christ and Christ alone, and we find satisfaction in Him, that's why we just sang these words earlier, we're wanting to find satisfaction in the Lord and Lord alone. So we want our souls to worship Christ and Christ alone. Soul satisfaction, even in the midst of a suffering relationship, can be found when we worship Christ and Christ alone. 
when we allow Christ to be ultimate. We say, I'm going to submit, yes, to the emperor, to my earthly authorities, to my husband. I'm going to submit, even though all three of those may be ungodly, I'm going to submit because I want to use this as a form of worship of Jesus so that my soul is satisfied in Jesus and Jesus alone. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. We're, we're wanting ultimate things to happen in these, these what seem like ungodly relationships. We're wanting Christ to be worshipped. If the earthly person that you are with... If you begin to worship that person or think submission means to, to worship you, worship them, it will only lead you to sin and more disappointment. And whatever you're worshiping, husbands, if you're worshiping the thought that your wives might submit to you, uh, that's just going to lead you to more sin and more disappointment. Wives, if you're hoping that you're going to submit and worship this ungodly man uh, with the hope that... Um, they will come to know the Lord, or they, they will worship Christ, but you're putting your trust and your faith in that person, it will only lead to more disappointment. Though it, it does seem often that maybe some strategic disappointment needs to happen in our lives. And this is where submission to Christ, uh, Christ and Christ alone, is really important. I'm having some issues, so I'm going to stand up for a second to let some blood flow in my legs. <clears throat> my hope is this, my hope ultimately is this, is that we see Christ and Christ alone and we submit to him and to his lordship. And we can do that even in un ungodly, ungodly relationships. One author says this, Christian women should submit to their husbands, and particularly to non-Christian husbands, not because they are in some way inferior, for they are God's elect. Rather, they should submit to the Lord's, for the Lord's sake, with the particular purpose of winning their husbands to the Lord by their unselfish example. Remember in verse 1 and verse 7 when Peter said likewise? He's talking about when he started in verse 13 of chapter 2. Be subject to these people for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. The Greek word is dia, like, I, like in diameter. Okay, It's the root of diameter. Uh, the Greek word for, for the Lord's sake or through the Lord or as through the Lord going through something, diameter, it goes through the center of a circle. My submission to earthly authorities or a ungodly spouse can only happen to the glory of God if I'm going for or through for the Lord's sake. My submission to an unbelieving emperor or spouse will take place through the Lord, and when it takes place through the Lord, it will be for His glory. My submission has nothing to do ultimately with my spouse or my emperor or my earthly master and everything to do with God's glory. A restless soul always tries to cover things up. A satisfied soul finds contentment and security in the Creator. That's why Peter says, stop dressing yourselves up. Find satisfaction and contentment in the Lord. Stop trying to adorn what's outside and show what's inside. Let your purity of heart shine through. 
A restless soul always tries to cover up. A satisfied soul has contentment and security in the creator of the soul and therefore can willfully submit. Adorning ourselves by outward things, hoping others will be fooled into thinking we have satisfaction in the one that we call Lord will never lead to the glory of Christ. It will only be a show. And we're just putting on things. But when we seek to be genuine, pure of heart, and we allow what's inside of us to flow out of us, namely or mainly Christ, then truly our soul satisfied in Christ, Christ may be glorified in the conduct of our, of our lives. Peter is drawing attention again to our inward beauty and not our outward expressions, but a genuine, pure, and holy beauty that can only be done by the Lord and only be maintained by the Lord. And so we should constantly, wives to husbands, husbands to the world, uh, to the earthly masters or whatever, and, and ultimately all of us to Christ, we should all be submitting ourselves to the Lord. John Orberg says that the paradox of soul satisfaction is this, that when I die to myself, my soul comes alive. My soul comes alive. And this is what we're wanting. We're wanting our souls to be satisfied in Christ and Christ alone, that he might be glorified. And that out of that satisfaction in him alone, a genuine purity of life or purity of heart might be flowing through us so that Christ might be the one that's getting all the glory. If we adorn ourselves with earthly things, hoping that these earthly things will give evidence to what's happening inside of us, those earthly things will be the things that will receive the glory. Instead, we want the work that Christ is doing inside of us to flow out of us so that Christ might be getting all the glory. And then Peter ends with verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you, the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered or impeded or cut away or interrupted. That we should be living our lives in the same way, in the same way as, the reason why he says likewise, in the same way as the wives, living as exiles in their marriage, in their ungodly marriage, in the same way as the exiles, as slaves living in submission to their earthly masters, in the same way as followers of Jesus, living as exiles, but still submitting to the emperors. So how do we do that, husbands? How do we do that? Well, we study our wives. We learn them. Uh, The word there says this, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Simple word, for understanding is the word gnosis. It means to know. We study. We understand them. We understand their needs. We understand their wants, their desires. We see those. We see their tr- their struggles, their sufferings, their feelings. We understand their delicacy, how they are uh, these tender clay pots, these vessels who need to be who need to be treated with respect. And we do that, pointing our wives to God's word, to Christ. Reminding them they are precious in the sight of the Lord, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Showing honor to them, not acting in a way that shows that you are better than them, but instead you showing honor to the other, the other person, particularly your spouse. Lowering yourself even in that, as so to glorify Christ. Yes, wives are to submit. But husbands are to show honor. And by showing honor, we honor Christ. Because it's a, it's a testimony to what Christ has found precious 
in His sight. And what He has found precious in His sight, we also as followers of Him should also find precious in our sight so that Christ may be the one that's glorified. Remember your status in Christ this week. Chosen. A royal priesthood. A people belonging to God because of Jesus. And in any context, you can submit when you understand your status. When we understand that our soul will, will not be satisfied by anything in this world, but only by Christ, then we allow soul satisfaction in Christ to change us from the inside out. And so with that, we worship Christ. And we use our lives We use our lives to bring Him glory and honor. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, help us as we struggle, wrestle, or try and misuse these words here for our own glory. God, help us to be satisfied in You or begin finding satisfaction in You. And in so doing, God, bring You glory. God, as we desire or some of us desire to put these things into practice this week, God. God, Will your Holy Spirit help us? God, as there may be friends of ours or even some in this room this morning who are wives that that have confessed Christ as Lord, desire to live in obedience to you and are living with ungodly husbands, God, I pray that you would give them power from your Holy Spirit to be pure and gentle and respectful and to conduct their lives in a way that their husbands might be one to you and so worship you. God, as Peter seems to be identifying to us, God, that you desire for us to proclaim your word to the world, God, I pray that you would continue to transform our hearts that you might receive all glory. God, thank you for rescuing us, for being the perfect example of a godly husband. And so for the men in this room, like myself, who often force my own wife to live in moments of what seems like an ungodly marriage, God, continue to convict me of that. God, let the men of this church and in this room this morning be willing to submit fully to your lordship and the sufficiency of your word and lead as you desire for us to lead. God, may you be glorified in our response of you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.